Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned and unmerited favour, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life for life. Exodus chapter number 33, and I will read from two translations this morning. I'm going to read from the NIV and also the New Living Translation. And the, the New International Version, it says, this is when God was speaking to Moses. And Moses is having this deep and intense conversation. And Moses is uh, asking God for an assurance. Right. When you look at the book of Exodus, this is how I look at it. The book of Exodus, for me, it's a book that deals with leadership. Right. It's a book that deals with leadership. Why am I saying so? Because the time when the book of Exodus was written, it was written to the second generation of the Israelites. Not the ones that came out of Egypt, but the other generation that grew in the wilderness. Right. So what is happening here is that the first generation, they were challenging the leadership of Moses. They were challenging the leadership of who? Of Moses again and again. So the reason why Exodus was written, it was written to vindicate the leadership of Moses or the divinely authority of, of Moses to lead Israel to the promised land. Remember, every time they faced a crisis or a challenge, the people of Israel will rise up and say, Moses, why did you take us out of Egypt? In other words, why did you lead us out of Egypt? So now the second generation was now falling into the same trap of challenging the leadership of Moses. Hence the book of Exodus was now what? Was now written in order to vindicate, in order to authenticate the leadership of Moses that it is God sent. Because you remember there were other people who when they come to the Red Sea, they are very quick to think of where they came back from. We've got people who, when they come to Mara, they think of the past at the expense of the future. They will abandon the promise of God because of a problem. And even in our time, we've got people like that. Every time they encounter a problem, a promise seems to disappear. Every time we're engulfed with a problem, the promise of God seems to have less significance in their lives. And I want to challenge you, child of God, this morning, that every time you are faced with a problem, cling on to the promises of God. A believer's response to every and any kind of a problem is to cling on to the promises of God. So the book of Exodus is written to vindicate the leadership of Moses. Now, when you come to Exodus 33, Moses now wants an assurance that God is, is with him. So Moses is having this deep, intense conversation with God. To the point that Moses says to God, if your presence is not going to go with us, then forget about us making a forward step. We are not going to make a forward move if we don't have the assurance of your presence. And when you come now to verse number 14, God is responding to Moses' request. And God replied, 
my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I like so much the New Living Translation, which I think we're going to be using quite a lot. The New Living Translation, it says, The Lord replied, I will personally go with you. Is it the same on the screen? The New Living Translation. I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine with you. And everything will be what? Everything will be fine with you. Let me begin to break down this part of the text by saying, if you ever notice in life that rarely do people prioritize what they don't understand. Think about that. Rarely or hardly ever do people prioritize what they don't understand. I was thinking about this and I didn't want to put myself into trouble, but uh, I was thinking along the lines of why people like myself, don't prioritize Arsenal. All right, let me look for another example. You know, in life, if you, if you lack an understanding of something, you hardly prioritize it. So that means that there is a direct correlation, there is a relationship between what you prioritize and what you understand. Now, if my understanding of iPhone is very limited, I will not prioritize it. That's why Android users want to cling to their Android phones. They don't prioritize and they don't know what they're missing. They don't know what they're missing on iPhones. Why? Because they don't understand how iPhones function. The beauty of them. Amen to all Android users in the house. Thank you. All I'm trying to say to you, Church of God, this morning is, really do people prioritize... Thank you, Elder. I was about to throw away that Android phone. I give you the blessing to do so. We can even make a fundraising to buy an iPhone for that. What I'm trying to say, Church of God, is really do people prioritize what they don't understand. Hence, there is a direct correlation or a relationship between what you understand and what you prioritize. That is why you find that even in our marriages, in our relationships, the degree to which we prioritize our relationships is down to the level of our understanding of that relationship. Same thing with our spirituality. The degree to which we prioritize our spirituality is down to the depth of our understanding of the things of the Spirit. Do I have the church this morning? So when you come now to Exodus chapter number 33, 
we find that Moses prioritizes the presence of God, which indicates the depth of his understanding of the presence of God. If Moses' understanding of the presence of God was shallow, there is no way Moses would prioritize the presence of God as revealed in Exodus 33 to the extent that Moses would speak to God, one who cannot be questioned, to the point that Moses would speak to God who is all-powerful, one who can do what he wants and no one can question him. But Moses, he had the tenacity to stand before God and say to him, if your presence is not going to go with us, if I'm to use my own translation, I would say, God, forget about it. Moses is saying to God, if your presence is not going to go with us, forget about it. Forget about us moving forward. Why would Moses say such a statement? It is because Moses has a deeper understanding of the presence of God. Now, within that context, let's take time this morning to develop an understanding of the presence of God. It's very important because us as church people, you know, there are some terms that are very catchy, churchy. We like them so much, but sometimes we lack a deep understanding of them. And as a result, we do say them, we do them, but really do we experience the power of those things. Why? Because we lack a deeper understanding of them. One of the books of wisdom, which is the book of Proverbs, it says, in all you're getting, get understanding. Get what? Get understanding. So, this morning, this afternoon, I want to take some time, perhaps, to try to define and to describe the presence of God. The presence of God. So, when Moses is saying, is writing in verse number 14, and God is replying and is saying to him, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. The New Living Translation says, and everything will be fine with you. Now, this begs us to gain an understanding of the word presence. Somebody say presence. Or somebody say the presence. Now, the Hebrew term for presence, let's do some learning a little bit here to lay a good foundation. The Hebrew term for presence in Hebrew, it is the word pane. Somebody say pane. You are now a Hebrew student. Pane. P-A-N-E-H. P-A-N-E-H. Pane. Now, that word pane, which is in English is presence. If you take it from the Hebrew, it is translated face. That word pane, it is translated face, as in the human face or the face of a person. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Now, when we talk of face, or the first, or someone. This word, it carries an idea of nearness. 
it carries an idea of closeness. The word presence, it is an idea of nearness or closeness of someone understood in terms of the first. So, if I come and I stand before Minister Winnie, and I say I'm standing in the presence of Minister Winnie, it means I'm standing before a face. I'm standing in front of her, before her. Am I talking to the church of God this morning? So, in other words, a man's face is the man. Right? A man's face is the man. That is why if I stand before Elder, physical presence, right, I will go back home and say, I saw Elder. I don't go home and say, I saw the face of Elder. I will go home saying what? I saw and I spoke to Elder because I saw his face. Right. Because of the face, if Elder is sad, I can see it on his face. Yeah? If Elder is happy, I can see it on his face. That is why I'm saying a man's face is the man. Because when I look at your face, the face can reveal someone's personality. The face can reveal someone's character. Am I talking to the church this morning? So, when the Hebrew people spoke of the presence, they understood the presence in terms of face. So, when they spoke of the presence of God, their understanding was that I'm standing before the face of God. I like this one. That's what they are talking about. So, the essence of the presence of God, it has to do with a closeness or a nearness to God. So, every time the children of Israel spoke of the presence, as a matter of fact, it is actually correct to substitute the word presence with the word face. So, in other words, in verse number 14, we can actually read that by saying, the Lord replied, my face will go with you. My face will go with you. Because the face now is a representation of God's personality and character. So when God is saying, my presence is going to go with you, he is saying, my whole being, my personality, my character, it is going to go with you. That is what God is saying. I cannot say I saw your face if I don't come into a physical space where I'm close to you. I cannot say I was in the presence of Ebenezer saints if there is, if there is a big gap between, us of our, between the two of us in terms of our distance. So, there's an element of being in a physical space that is close to someone. Then I can say, I was in the presence of Minister Winnie. 
there is that element of physical closeness. So the essence of the presence of God, this is important, the essence of the presence of God has everything to do with closeness. So when we say the presence of God, we are talking of how God has drawn himself so close to us. Not only is it limited to the element of being close or nearness, but it oftentimes results in a personal encounter. Do I have the church this morning? The closeness results or the end result of this closeness is a personal encounter. It is a personal what? It is a personal encounter. Now, so the children of Israel, every time they heard the phrase, the presence of God, they understood that in terms of the face. I want you to get that. That is very important. They understood it in terms of what? In terms of the first, which implies a closeness, which implies a nearness, which implies a personal encounter. That is how they understood it. Now, let's support that with a few scriptures in the Bible so that we can qualify this. I don't want you to go home and say, Pastor was just teaching us something that he studied that we can't pick in the scriptures. Let's, let's see it in the word of God. When you come to Genesis chapter number 32, verse number 30. Genesis chapter number 32, verse number 30. is that time when Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord throughout the night. And he said to the angel of the Lord, I'm not going to let you go until you what? Until you bless me. Now, when you come now to verse number 30, the Bible says, So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face. Yet my life was what? Yet my life was spared. So, this encounter that Jacob had with the angel of the Lord, Jacob understood that I stood face to face with God. I was right in the presence of God. Now, that word face is the same word that Moses uses in Exodus 33, 14. When he says, my presence. That word presence and that word face, they are the same word in Hebrew. No difference. It's, all, it's both pane. They are both pane. So when Jacob stood and wrestled with the angel of the Lord, he recognized that he saw God face to face. Judges 6 verse number 16. Judges 6 verse number 16 is the story of a man called Gideon. Israel was undergoing a seven-year period under a strong hand of the Ammonites and the Amalekites. And when the fullness of the time came, God visited them through the angel of the Lord. And now in this chapter, we see the angel of the Lord visiting Gideon while he was threshing wheat in a wine press as a way of running away from the enemies and hiding from the enemies. But when you come to verse Number 16, 
Gideon after he had an encounter with God. The Bible says, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. He's having a conversation with the angel of the Lord. But he had not yet recognized that this was an angel of the Lord because he appeared in the form of a man. But when you come to verse number 22, after Gideon's eyes were opened and he realized that this man I was talking to is the angel of the Lord. Listen to verse number 22. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, Oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. That word face is pane. It speaks of the presence. In other words, Gideon is saying, I stood in the presence of the Lord. Face to face. Let's continue to build up that. When you come to Numbers chapter number 6, we see what is called the most significant priestly blessing. The priestly blessing commissioned by God to Aaron and his sons to pass on to the children of Israel. So when you read from verse number 22, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord talk to me church. The Lord bless you. The Lord make the Lord bless you and keep you. The next verse. Verse number 25. Thank you so much, Samuel. I'll be patient with you. Let's go. Let's read it together. Verse number 25. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. I want you to underline face there. The Lord make what? His face shine on you. That word face is the word pane. Is the same word Moses is using in Exodus 33. Which speaks of the presence of God. A closeness, a nearness that results in a personal encounter with God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face what? Shine on you and be gracious to you. Verse 26. Let's read again together. The Lord ten what? The Lord ten what? The Lord ten his face towards you and give you peace. So when you look at the priestly blessing, it revolves around the face of God. The Lord bless you and keep you. In other words, the Lord bless you and, and protect you and guard you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Why? Because, because being or seeing a face, it required being in a person's physical presence. So the priestly blessing is saying, the Lord may make his face shine on you. In other words, may God make his presence radiate upon you. 
may God's presence shine on you the same way the sun shines its light upon us. That's what Moses is saying. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you as if that was enough. The Lord turn his face towards you. It speaks of uh, or it's an expression that describes someone who is superior looking at someone who is lesser to him. And then this person who is superior, they are looking at this person with favor. They give them this smile or this face that indicates that I have favored you. That's what, that's what, that's what the Bible is saying. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Other translations, they say, may the Lord smile at you. All that describing the effect of the presence of God upon Israel. So Israel understood the presence of God in terms of the first. I'm going to repeat that. They understood the presence of God in terms of the first. which spoke of the nearness, the closeness of God to us. So every time that they said, I'm in the presence of God, they understood that God was so close to them. Brothers and sisters, when you look at the presence of God, the manifestation of the presence of God took different expressions. But everything coming back to the same concept of the closeness and the nearness of God and the personal encounter with God. That is why you find that sometimes when the presence of God came upon people, the presence of God took the form of the angel of the Lord. Many times you hear the Bible saying, and then the angel of the Lord visited Moses. And the angel of the Lord visited Gideon. It's an expression of the presence of what? The presence of God, which, which implies a nearness or a closeness to God. Sometimes the presence of God took on the form of the glory of God. Remember last time, or even Elder mentioned it, that every time Israel was moving in the wilderness, the cloud of God's glory was above the tabernacle, which spoke of the presence of God, the nearness of God, the closeness of God to his people. So sometimes the presence of God, it takes the form of the glory of God. Remember that time when Moses finished building the tabernacle of God and he inspected everything. And then the Bible says, when Moses had done everything, and then the cloud of God's glory filled the temple to the point that Aaron and his sons, they could not enter the tabernacle to serve. That glory spoke of the presence of God, the nearness of God to his people. The other time, Solomon was dedicating the temple, Second Chronicles chapter 5. He was dedicating the temple after they had done everything. The Bible says, and when the singers began to sing in one accord, the glory of the Lord entered into the temple. And the priests and the singers could not perform their duties because of the glory. That glory was an expression of the presence of God, the nearness, the closeness of God to his people. Sometimes the presence of God took the form of the name of God. The name of God. Somebody say the name of God. That is why in the Old Testament, Israel, every time they went to worship, 
they were commanded to go to worship at the place God had positioned his name. And Shiloh was the name, was the place. So every time people went to Shiloh to the temple, the temple that had the name of God, the moment they got there, they knew that we are now in the presence of God. Beyond any shadow of doubt. Just by stepping into the temple court, it was enough for them to know that we are now in the presence of God. The face of God. Sometimes the presence of God took the form of the Spirit of God. Am I talking to the church this morning? It took the form of the Spirit of God. Somebody say the Spirit of God. That is why when you read the book of uh, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah says, I think chapter number six, chapter number six to three, somewhere there. Isaiah speaks of uh, the presence of God as the one who led Israel in the wilderness. Right. It was the Spirit of God who led Israel into the, in, in, in the wilderness towards the land of Canaan. So sometimes the presence of God took the form of the Spirit of what? Of the Spirit of God. And I like this last one. My list is not exhaustive, but I like this one. Sometimes the presence of God, it took on the form of the Ark of the Covenant. The presence of God took the form or the expression of what? Of the Ark of the Covenant. And this was the most common expression of God's presence in Israel. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, Israel never doubted the presence of God. Drive the church this morning. Wherever the Ark of the Covenant was, Israel knew beyond any shadow of doubt that God is with us. And all shall be well. And everything is going to be fine by reason of the Ark of the Covenant in their midst. When you look at all these different expressions that I've spoken about, the angel of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, the name of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, the ark of the covenant, you find that all of them, they have this common denominator, which is the nearness of God. The nearness of God to his people. This closeness of God to his people, which resulted in spiritual encounters. Which resulted in spiritual experiences. Can I just show you a few examples in the scripture? Based on the closeness of God is expressed through the Ark of the Covenant. When God was near Israel by reason of the Ark of the Covenant, when they came to Jericho, I know most of us and singers, we talk about this one, that you know what? We have to shout if we want to see the walls of, Jer of Jericho fall down. But listen to me, brothers and sisters. When you read that wall encounter, the reason why the walls fell down, it is because the Ark of the Covenant was going before them. So as they were going around the walls of Jericho, they were following the Ark of the Covenant, which was in front. Imagine the church this morning. The Ark of the Covenant was positioned in front together with the priests that were blowing the trumpets and then Israel was following the Ark of the Covenant. And I normally say, brothers and sisters, if we shout in the absence of the Ark of the Covenant, 
it will be just a shout which will not result in anything that is supernatural. If we are going to make a shout of joy, it has to be a response to the presence of God. It has to be a response to the Ark of the Covenant. I am following the presence of God. I am responding to the face of God. Do I have the church this morning? Or is just me excited? So, whenever the presence of God was so close to Israel, they experienced the supernatural. So, we see the Jericho experience. The walls are falling down because of the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. Let's talk of the Jordan experience. When they came to River Jordan, the Bible says it was flooded. The best swimmers in Israel, they could not cross River Jordan. And the only way for them to cross, they had to listen to the instruction of God. God comes to, to Joshua and he says to them, here is the instruction. Command the priest to take the Ark of the Covenant. Let them put it on the shoulders of the Levites and let them move when they step their feet into the waters, make sure that the congregants, they are 2,000 cubits away, which is about a half a mile, 0.8 to 1 kilometer distance. The priests are to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which spoke of the presence of God. And the moment they step their feet into the waters, watch the supernatural taking place. And as the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the moment they stepped their feet into the waters, Jordan parted. The river Jordan parted into two by reason of the presence of God. The closeness of God to Israel. I call it the Jordan experience. Brothers and sisters, there are some places that you cannot cross in the natural. There are some things that are undoable in the natural. You need the supernatural power of God. And the supernatural power of God allow it to be the manifestation of the presence of God in our lives. Can I make this declaration in 2022? May God give you the grace to follow the Ark of the Covenant, the very presence of God. Somebody shout the presence of God. Somebody say the presence of God. The other time, the Ark of the Covenant, which spoke of the presence of God, was taken by the Philistines. And David went on a journey to bring back the Ark of the Covenant, which is the presence of God, back to Mount Zion. And along the way, they failed to obey the commands of God or the protocol of the presence or of the Ark of the Covenant. They failed to obey that. And the Bible says when the ark was coming back, they decided to put it on a brand new cart. To them, brand new, they thought God was going to be pleased. Brothers and sisters, God is not pleased with the new things as long as they, as long as they don't line up to his instructions. New doesn't impress God if it's not according to his ways. So they put the ark on the ark, on the cart. 
in the Bible says is the is the is the is the, is the, is the cart was moving towards Mount Zion, it began to tilt and to fall. And one of the men came there, and he tried to what, to support it in in good faith, but because it's against the instruction of God, and it would mess up the revelation coming from that, he was struck dead there and there. You know, from a human point, one would think about God, why would you do that? But had God allowed that, that means now in the New Testament, we'll be talking of a God who needs to be held by men. And God is saying, no, 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 for me, I don't need anybody to help me. I'm God all by myself. And then when that happened, when this young man was killed on the spot, David freaked out. And he said, there's no way I can carry on with this mission. I can't. And he begged off. And there arose a man called Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom stepped in. The interesting part, that man was a Gentile. He stepped on the scene and he says, you know what? I cannot leave the Ark of the Covenant where it is. I'm going to take it in my personal house. And the Bible says, and then he took the Ark to his house. And the Bible says, just three months with the Ark of the Covenant, this man's family and household was immensely blessed to the point that everyone could tell that the blessing manifesting in this house is a result of the presence of God. The closeness, the nearness of God in his life. And I pray that may God raise amongst us men and women who can host the presence of God. Do you hear me in the house? I pray an emergence, a rising up of men and women who can host God. Who rise up and say, God, I'm hosting you. Are you excited in the house this morning? People who say, God, you are my guest. Come in and live with me. And the Bible says three months were enough for this man's household to be immensely blessed. And when he was blessed, the Bible says, and David heard about the blessing manifesting in the house of Abedidom. And David says, no ways, I have got to resume the mission. And that's when David came and he took the Ark of the Covenant from the house of Abedidom. And now he took it the right way now to Mount Zion. And Zion was immensely blessed by the presence of God in their midst. Brothers and sisters, if we are going to experience the supernatural in 2022, it's going to take a people that have an understanding of the presence of God. Because of that understanding, you prioritize. You prioritize nothing else but the presence of God in your life. Somebody shout the presence of God. That's why I said rarely do people prioritize what they don't understand. If you see Obed Edom, it is because he had a deeper understanding of the presence of God. That's why he wasn't afraid to take the same ark that killed another person. He had a deeper understanding of the presence of God. And he's saying, no ways, I am going to bring the ark of the covenant into my house. Why? Because he had an understanding of the presence of God. 
Hence Moses will stand up and say, Lord, if your presence is not going to go with us, then do not send us up from here. He had an understanding of the presence of God. The face of God. The face of God is the closeness of God to his people. We don't deserve a God who is far away from us. Can I repeat that? We don't serve a God who is far away from us. We don't serve a God who is like Baal. Where the worshippers of Baal, they had to call on their God. And Elijah, one time he says, maybe he's asleep. Call him a little bit more. Maybe he's gone on a holiday. Call him a little bit more. Maybe he's in a meeting. Call him a little bit more. We don't serve such a God. We serve a God who is present in our lives. And he declares and says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never turn my back on you. I will be with you. When you pass through the waters, you will not be drowned. When you pass through the fires, you will not be burned. It's the presence of God. It's so close to his people. The presence is so near his people. Somebody say the presence of God. Somebody say the presence of God. Do you know that David's worst fear, it was being cast away from what? Oh, let's read it. Psalm 51 verse 11. Psalm 51 verse number 11. This was David's worst fear. And in the New King James Version it says, do not cast me away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Can I read that again? Do not cast me away from your presence. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. This was David's worst fear. A life outside the face of God. A life outside the presence of God. This was David's worst fear. Can I ask you, child of God, in this 21st century setup, what is your worst fear? What is your worst fear? David's worst fear was a life outside the presence of God. He didn't want a moment where he didn't feel the closeness of God in his life. He wanted to move and to do life feeling and having a sense of the presence of God in everything that he did. And David cries to God after he sinned and say, God, I know I've sinned against you, but here's my plea to you. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Why? Because they understood the presence of God. And as a result, they prioritized the presence of God in their lives. Can I just run through a few verses in the book of Psalm? Psalm chapter number 80. Psalm chapter number 80, verse 3, 7, and 19. Psalm chapter number 80, verse 3. It, it paints a beautiful picture of the people of Israel. How much they prioritize the presence of God. Verse number 3 says, Oh, restore us, O God. Make what? Make what? Make your face shine on us. That word face is the word pane. 
Restore unto us, O God. Make your presence shine upon us. Make your face shine upon us that we may be served. So that means Israel was afraid of living a life where the face of God is not shining upon them. Where the presence of God is not shining upon them. Verse number 7, he makes the same cry of the same chapter. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Verse number 19, he cries the same cry in the same chapter. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be served. Israel understood that a blessing consists of the presence of God. Israel understood that her blessing consisted of the presence of God. Do I have the church this morning? Israel understood that the blessing of God upon them, it consisted of the face of God shining upon them. So for God to turn his face against them, it spoke that they had no safety. There was no prosperity. There was no protection any longer upon their lives. And they are crying to God, Oh Lord, restore unto us. Make your face shine upon us. And I conclude with Psalm 24, verse number 6. Psalm 24, verse number 6. Perhaps I might read maybe from, just look at that, maybe from verse number, did I say Psalm 26? Psalm 24. I'll read that from the NIV translation. I'll read from verse number 3. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or a swear by a false god? They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. I like verse number 6. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek what? Who seek your face. That word face is the word pane. Who seek your presence. Who seek your presence. A people that are after nothing else but the presence of God. A generation of God seekers. A generation of God seekers. A people that will say, I'm not going to settle for anything less than the presence of God. A people who say, I'm not going to be satisfied by anything that is less the presence of God. A generation of seekers of the presence of God. And I'm praying today, this morning, in this place, that may God stay in us as a church. A spirit of a people who seek the presence of God. Wherever they are, they're saying, God, we are after nothing else, but we are after your presence. 
if your presence is not going to go with us, then God, do not move us up from here. But Lord, we need your presence. But I like the response of God to his people. God's promise, God's assurance is saying, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest and everything will be fine with you. Somebody shouted, everything will be fine with us. Somebody say, everything will be fine with us. Turn to somebody who's next to you and say to them, everything will be fine with you. Tell them, I don't know what you're going through, but by reason of the presence, everything will be fine with you. Go ahead and declare to them and say to them, I don't know what you're going through, but by reason of the presence of God, everything will be fine with you. Glory be to God. Can we rise on our feet? Can we rise on our feet? Here's what I want you to do. And I want you to begin to pray on this, not this morning. I think in 2022, you're going to be hearing me using this phrase. Then what is the next step? I'm going to be calling every one of us to something, to do something, to a response to the word of God. So here is the next step. Here is the next step. The next step to prioritizing the presence of God is deepening your understanding of the presence of God. What is the next step? The next step to prioritizing the presence of God, it is in deepening your understanding of the presence of God. Do I have somebody in the house? I want you to say after me, the next step to prioritizing the presence of God is deepening my understanding of the presence of God. Can we say that again? The next step to prioritizing the presence of God is deepening my understanding of the presence of God. Why, is, why am I saying so? Because rarely do people prioritize what they don't understand. Thank you for tuning in to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimmiltonkeens.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship AFMIM on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. You can also interact with Pastor Danny on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description.